What's up, and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. All right, what's up, and welcome to episode 15 of the Crude Oil Podcast. What's up, Sean? How's it going? Not bad. Better than yesterday, so we're good to go now. Better than so- yesterday. What- Sorry about the delay, everybody. <laughs> Uh, this will be coming out on either Monday night or Tuesday morning, depending on how long it takes for us to get it all edited. Um, but yeah, it didn't happen yesterday. And I'll get it tonight. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't, I don't want to talk about it. It's, it's funny though. I think it's kind of a good thing because we're starting to get, that's how you can kind of tell people are listening. Cause they're like, where the fuck's my podcast guys? It yeah. says every Monday. Um, I did have a couple people reach out and be like, what the fuck's going on? I yep. was told every Monday and I'm like, I'm sorry, this is my fault. <laughs> we're appreciative of that. Um, yeah, just uh, just taking a look at everything uh, we're gonna we're talk about we're gonna talk about today. Uh, just wanted to quickly remind everybody we're trying to get to 200 followers on Twitter. Uh, if you guys like uh, the stuff we're putting up on Twitter, want to see some different stuff, send us messages. Let us know how things are going. I think we're sitting at 167. We want to see if we can hit 200 before the start of the uh, start of the season, October 12th. So we got basically what three weeks <laughs> almost two weeks really yeah yeah so yeah so uh we'll see we'll see uh, but uh and, and just thanks for all the people i know we got some uh really awesome messages i know it was a tough kind of topic to talk about with uh the vertan signing and just trying to play you know the devil's advocate because it's easy with twitter for everybody to jump all over people um as as we'll talk about later with another scenario that was going on um, and how people can kind of fly off uh, with their own takes. And so we, we appreciate everybody um, listening and giving us uh, their feedback. So, uh, yeah, you can uh, follow us at Crude Oil Podcast on Twitter and you can find us everywhere. Uh, you get your podcast at Spotify Apple Podcasts. If yep. there's anywhere else that you guys use yes, and like we don't have to, I think like we have it on YouTube as well. Um, I've heard maybe people might want it on Google Podcasts. I know that's getting more popular. See, that's funny. That's um, that's what I have. So well, there you go. There so we go. Maybe we should be looking to expand that. But with that being said, just let us know if there's anywhere else you want to hear it and we can post it there too. Awesome. Cool. All right. Diving into things this week. Uh Probably the biggest piece of actual news news that that broke was uh, I, I'm not even gonna let I'll let you do this, Sean, because it's your boy. He's back. Oilers signed Ryan McLeod. Yeah, one year, seven hundred ninety-eight thousand. <laughs> uh, way better deal than I expected. Oh, unbelievable! Would I prefer long term to lock him in before I like? I'm very I'm ever as everybody knows I love Ryan McLeod. I think he's going to do fantastic, especially with better players on his line, which I think there will be this year. Mm-hmm. So. I'm very happy we locked him up. It's the only contract that would have worked without trading somebody. And even then, we still might have to get rid of somebody. Yeah. But at the end of the day, could have been longer, a little bit more money. But I'm excited. Well, and the other thing I was wondering, too, and to the point about him, you know, kind of betting on himself for one year to see what kind of a contract he's going to get in, you know, at the at the end of this year, depending on the season that he puts up. But it's, uh, it's funny because I saw some mock-up that showed the Oilers' salary cap left with 165 dollars left yeah like, i saw with that 21 too. guys are you fucking kidding me it's about like, as cap wizardry as you can get <laughs> from ken holland i think like let's see how close we can get it they say yeah. like, say if you have ltir you use it or you lose it and right. he's taking that to heart right i i just uh, 
it's nice that everything works out just perfectly right now. I don't see it as being a good long-term solution. I don't also think that that's going to be ultimately what we head into the season with. Well, next offseason is going to be a little wild with McLeod up, mm. Bouchard's contract up, Skinner's up, Pugliarvi's up again. So it's going to be a little chaotic, I think. It, it's very much a show-yourself kind of season for a lot of these players, hey? Well, I think so. And, like, it makes me think that maybe Skinner won't start as many games as I want him to just because they don't want him to be showing as a 1B. They strictly want him as a number 2 this season, I think. So yeah. we'll see how that goes because in a perfect world, that's probably what they want. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, in a perfect world, he becomes like a bona fide starter and pushes Campbell out, and they're like, we have a fantastic <laughs> goalie now. So Speaking of Campbell, uh, before we get into things, uh, did you see that video that was floating around with the Oilers store where they got them all dressed up? Uh, as basically like sales associates with... I did uh, not oh, see that. <laughs> okay, if, if you get a chance, there's a video floating around. They uh, they got Campbell, Yamamoto, and Fogle just to dress up like they're working in the store. And just to see some of the people... Like, obviously, there's the few that caught right away. I know one guy's like, hey, man, how's it going when he saw Yamamoto? He's like, my name's Kane. Nice to meet you. <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> it was just really funny to uh, see everyone's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, sure. But some of the people had no clue. Well, no I like clue. to see that kind of stuff because I have a feeling, because I didn't remember seeing any of it during, let's just say, the decade of darkness. I don't like to talk about it. Yeah. But that never happened, really, during that no. time because nobody gave a fuck. Right. So it just goes to show that I think there's a little bit more optimism around the team, more than there ever has really been in years. Well, it's funny because there's a, a little clip and it just shows where Campbell's at with the chemistry of his players and stuff. But he's talking to a little kid who obviously doesn't know who he is yet. And he's asking what jersey because his parents said he could get like a, a new jersey and he points up to Fogel's jersey. He said, that guy said to me that he's going to score 40 goals this year. <laughs> <I'm> like, Jesus. <laughs> no pressure, Fogel. <laughs> you don't score 40 goals and we miss the playoffs, it's your fault. A regular Toby <laughs> Reader situation. But a little bit more pressure with the 40 goals. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. But uh, no, it, it, it's really cool to see those um, kind of interactions that they have with the team and the fans. So uh, yeah, if, if you get a chance, go check that video. It's pretty funny. Um, yeah, we're sitting here. It's, it's just before actually we're recording. So obviously we've got light stuff going on, but we promise a podcast every Monday. We'll get this out like Sean said tonight, but, uh, we're recording right before the Kraken game. That being said, uh, the extra day bought us time to, to watch the first preseason game, a preseason game against the Jets. So, uh, I know we, we got a lot to, uh, to tackle in, in that game. Well, like overall, four nothing Edmonton win. <laughs> I won't say it was a shellacking because the game was pretty uneventful. It was one nothing for the first fifty minutes of the game, really, right. with Nima Lined scoring like first thirty seconds, yeah. and then pretty much nothing happening besides good chances on both sides with the goalies keeping each team in it. Um, but then the floodgates opened, and Edmonton scored like three goals in five minutes. I literally texted like my buddy, and I was like, on the three nothing goal, I was like, oh, it's looking like a stomp. And before I even looked up, they scored again. Yeah, and it was, was a like, flurry okay. there. It was a flurry. Uh, it was funny because I was uh, maybe not watching this on an official uh, <laughs> streaming site, and uh, well, I watch it on YouTube. That's exactly so. where I watch it. Okay, yeah. Um, and uh, I just jumped on, and I was commenting or watching the comments roll in, and 
Um, I know there's a bunch of people who maybe didn't realize it was the preseason wondering like, where the fuck's McDavid? Where's Kane? Why is people are really losing their mind? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you, you got to wonder too, like how big the Oilers are getting with all the success. You're going to get people who aren't like hockey diehards starting to follow this team. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Got to start just, somewhere. Exactly. Um, one of the stories I didn't actually tell you, uh, last podcast, I thought it was pretty funny, but we, we went to the Jays game, uh, I guess it would have been two Fridays ago. And we're walking back to uh, Union Station to go catch the train. And I'm wearing my, my Oilers hat. And I'm walking down the street. And just, like, first note, every single Toronto person that we ran into that saw me wearing an Oilers hat, there was never, like, any shots taken. They're always like, let's have a conversation about hockey. So that was really cool. But this guy stops me on the street, and he looks at my hat. And he's like, Connor McDavid, right? Connor McDavid? And, like, of course, he'd been drinking. And he was like... And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, you know him? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know him? What? Yeah. It's like, you got a handle? Yeah. <laughs> Let me text him. Um, you got to know like, a guy to get one of those. <laughs> he's like, okay, get this. I broke my hand and had to get surgery. And I was like, I had a broken wrist for six weeks. And I was like, where the fuck is this story going? And he's like, and so all I could do is stay up because I couldn't sleep. And I watched Oilers hockey. And he says, now I'm the biggest fan. He says, because that guy's fucking unbelievable. And I'm like, that's the kind of like people that we're starting to attract. Like, I think the Oilers are an exciting team, and getting to see um, people, you know, getting interested. I don't know how the fuck we ventured down this path well, with this conversation, but like, it's people who watch hockey, say for example, but they only watch their own team, right? Yeah, I know of a lot of people that I've been reading about, and a couple of my friends, like, they will watch Oilers games because they're fun and they're exciting. Like yeah. their team might not be in there, mm-hmm. but they'll watch them because they're like, you're sitting on the couch and you're flipping through and you say, like, Oh, the Oilers are playing. It's like, I could watch that. It's probably right. going to be an exciting game. Whether they win or lose, it's, they might get blown out. They might blow the other team out. Cause that's how Edmonton hockey works. Mm-hmm. So it's similar to when you see like if Tampa Bay or Colorado was on TV, you'd be like, I could check it out. Let's see what all the hubbub is about this team. Yeah. It's so, yeah, I, I think the whole point that I was trying to get at was just that uh, um, we're, all of these fans are showing up now for preseason games being like, okay, we're ready. We're ready yeah. for this new season. So Those were some pretty full stands for a preseason game. I know. Honest. I guess it was 4 o'clock, so kids could go, so that was probably useful. And it was on a Sunday, so that might have something to do with it. If it was 4 o'clock today, probably not so full. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, but with that being said, it's still a preseason game. There was a lot of fucking people there. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to wrap things up, Neilinen, Hamblin, McLeod, and Holloway, the goal scorers, uh, in that that first uh, first game, not a, a ton to take away um, in with respect to like stats or anything, but there's definitely eye tests uh, going on. So um, w- let's dive into just at least the kind of impressions. I know we we wanted to start a segment here of like who the top three players we thought were. And then kind of the the people that didn't, the bottom three, the I guess. The three disappointments. <laughs> yeah. Let's not dance around it. The disappointments. Um, but I don't think we can even, it's kind of a waste of discussion because I think that the best player on the ice for the two of us, I, I think I'm speaking on behalf of us, was Dylan You might Holloway. be talking about the entire, Emmy, every Edmonton yeah. fan who watched that game. You yeah. could not take your eyes off Holloway. I know. I watched the highlight package afterwards just to like refresh everything in my brain. And the highlight package was like half of the game was the first period and half of the chances were just Holloway doing shit. Mm-hmm. Whether he was the one taking the shot, whether he forechecked hard and created the turnover or whether he made a great pass to somebody who just whiffed on a shot or something like that. So he was far away, I would say, the best player on the ice. 
and everybody would dis or not disagree with that honestly like there might have been other players who were equal to him i think like mcleod for example Mm -hmm. looked like he was like above his uh pay grade playing there he was just like or sorry below his pay grade yeah playing against all these guys who he just kind of felt like he was skating circles around kind of thing it's funny because when i made that list like i didn't even consider mcleod because ryan mcleod was ryan mcleod last night yeah, you're like watching it and you don't even really think much about the fact that he's like, you're not watching him because, yeah. like, oh, he's on the team. Already. Yeah, we don't exactly. Care about that. But at the end of the day, he still needs to show up and prove that he's going to come into the season and be our third line center. Yeah. And yeah, he did that. Um, just, I guess, diving into things then. Uh, do you have a top three list of guys that you saw last night? I would say my number one guy was Niemalainen outside of Holloway. Of course, this list is outside of Holloway. I thought Niemalainen was fantastic, Mm -hmm. scored that goal, obviously. But all night he was like a physical presence. Like, I want that so bad for Edmonton. We lack that so much. Nurse was the only one who did do that, and he hasn't been doing that as much the past couple years as he's been more focusing on all the other aspects of his game. Mm -hmm. And I think we need that so badly. So I'm going to jump right in because he's also uh, in my top three from last night. But the the thing that stood out for me with Niemalainen, and it's something that we haven't seen a lot with our, our current uh, decor, but he was up in a lot of the rushes. Like, And that's not something he's known for either. Yeah, so it seems very different. I don't know if he's just playing confident or if he's maybe figured a couple things out and now he's able to do that with his foot speed. But yeah. Yeah, I thought he was one of the best players on the ice, bar mm-hmm. none, really. Yeah. Um, second guy. You can go first on him. Sure, one. sure. This this kind of feels like a steal, but uh, for it being the first game and it only being half a game, I thought Stuart Skinner was extremely solid last night. He, he was at the point where I wasn't afraid when the shots were, or yeah. if there was a breakaway, if there was a two-on-one, I felt confident that he at least had a great chance to stop it. Yeah, like grade eight um, scoring opportunities for Winnipeg, and he just made it look so casual. Uh, obviously, the the uh, competition is going to be going nothing but up, but just to see that initially from the guy that you really want to step up and take charge of this whole um, goaltending tandem, like... I was extremely impressed with that. Yeah, let's. He's in my book similar to Ryan McLeod in the sense that I want, he needs to be doing that well. He like I'm not. Ex, he's not in my list only because I expect that from him. And if he wants to be the backup all year, he needs to bring that every single game. Which to say like Calvin uh, Pickard played really well as well. He's also not on my list. But with that being said, Tyler Benson is on my list he was surprisingly noticeable and effective clearly he's been working on his skating because he was like moving pretty good out there and my favorite part about the way he played last night is there was that moment where in the third period where there was a scrum behind the oilers net and he was in um i can't remember a lot yeah yeah that's what it was he was in his face and he just had the biggest smile on his face just watching the tv i wanted to almost punch him because it was like please stop smiling if I was on the other team, I would have been losing my fucking mind. Which, to me, that's the exact way Benson needs to play. Like, he needs to channel his inner Connor Garland, his Brad Marchand, all these small guys who get in there and piss people off. Mm-hmm. Um, I Yeah, I loved Benson's game, and I, I know exactly the, the point that you're talking about. It just it seems like there's a bit of confidence. I don't know if it's the level of competition he's playing at or what it is, but it's it's definitely a good sign. I expect um, him to be going deep into camp this year to prove yeah. that he 
I don't know if he'll make the opening night roster, but he might be a first look at a call-up. Yeah, yeah. Um, jumping into my last pick for kind of the, the top three people that impressed me, other than Holloway, um, I, I'm going to go a little bit off the board, but I was just really impressed with how solid uh, Jason Demers was. Um, I think you know what you're going to get from a, a veteran defenseman, but obviously that right-handed shot is going to be something that's going to be very crucial to the, the team moving forward. I just thought he was very sound. Uh, he made a lot of smart decisions. I think he had four blocks in, in game one there. Um, I, I just I was really impressed with a guy who's coming in on a PTO uh, for a team that's you know really going to need their decor to step up, the, the young ones at least, that want to fight for a spot. So I think that, that'll do nothing but... Uh, uh, help the team long term in with uh, respect to camp, but yeah. oh, I agree. Um, I did think he was a little slow out there, but like for one, he's thirty six. Two, yeah. he's never been known for his speed. Um, and three, he only played five games last year in the KHL, mm-hmm. so he might take a little bit of time to get up to speed. Because no matter how much training you do in the off season, nothing prepares you for trying to actually play in the game <laughs> and preseason is not even the same beast as a regular season game so yeah. i expect to see him in quite a few games too especially on the pto to see if he might be able to make it for sure for um, sure. honestly like we kind of talked about the main players that i thought had like great games that were noticeable yeah for the most part um just flipping through the list like I don't really even, mentions here. <laughs> yeah, kind of like I like the way like Jake Jake Chase on played. He was yeah. like for all these players who were playing on like the third and fourth line. Mm-hmm. If they were positively noticeable, then I was happy. Yeah, like I don't expect Jake Chase on to make the team, for example. Yeah, but when he was out there, he was kind of like he was on the puck, just playing quite well. Mm-hmm. So I really like to see that. And same with Reed Schaefer, he looked like a little lost out there sometimes. But with that being <laughs> said, he's 18 years old. He had a couple good plays. Like he's got a big body. So it'll be exciting to see when those young guys take the next step. Because these these are the guys that I think we need to be looking at like next year and the year after mm-hmm. for people who are going to be filling out that roster. Because like we said, we're not going to be able to keep everybody with all these free agents coming up. Yeah, I I would agree with all that. I think the only other person I would add on the honorable mentions, and he kind of to your point with uh, um, Schaefer just kind of lost a little bit, was Borgo. Like I felt he had a yeah. lot of buzz. Uh, I just think he was a little bit lost at times, but I'd almost say he was a little bit just nervous. Yeah, because he would have the puck and he would just do one too many things, or he'd overskate the puck or something along those lines. He had a couple good, like he was trying to be creative, which was cool. Like he had a, it was like a one on one, and he was trying to go like between the legs, deke around the, deke around <laughs> the guy. It didn't work out, but I like to see him at least trying those kind of stuff or those kind of things. I don't think that's what you should be doing to make the team out of preseason, mind you. But mm-hmm. I don't think he necessarily intends to make the team or thinks he, that he will yeah so he's kind of more trying to show off his skill skill side of his game versus his like i'm gonna play on the fourth line kind of style of game like tyler benson would be for example yeah, yeah he's not adapting his game to fit the empty roles yet yeah yeah um i think it might be a pretty quick conversation because really only leaves a few uh uh players but with respect to the kind of disappointing performances um do you want to go first? I can jump right in. Well, I have first, number one A. <laughs> I have one, and it's going to be Vertanen. As yeah. much as I don't want to, like that was my number. Be one. negative after yeah. we were talking about it last time. Um, I know I talked to like uh, my cousin, and he really liked the way Vertanen played and thought he was quite noticeable, like controlling the puck well. Personally, I did not notice that. 
Um, but once again, I was kind of maybe paying more attention to the flashiness of Holloway and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, I was very confused why he was on the first power play. Yeah. Um, especially with Holloway on the second unit, kind of maybe they just wanted to split it up. So he was kind of running that second unit himself. But the only time I noticed him was the power play. Yeah. When they said over to Jake Furtana, I'm like, oh, yeah, we have Furtana in here. I forgot about that. So I would say it's purely for being unnoticeable when you're on a PTO is not really what you're looking for. Well, and that's that's exactly the points that I was going to list, too. Like, it's just I know that they say and it's it's more commonly for defensemen. But when you're not noticed, you're having a good game. But I mean, for a guy on a PTO that's trying to, uh, um, you know, trying to elevate his game and make himself a presence like it goes back to your point about well like what kind of player do you want him to fit in like what role i still don't know where jake fatanen fits in this well unless he plays like extremely physically and well defensively which aren't like parts of his game that he's known for yeah he doesn't fit on the team right unless we intend on trading a top nine forward of some sort before the season starts which I'm not going to trade anybody out of our top nine to fit Jake Vertanen in. Right. Like, I'm down for giving him a chance on the PTO, seeing what he can do. Mm -hmm. Maybe his game has evolved like we talked about the other day. Right. But if he's going to come in and play the way that he did, then he can unfortunately go find a different team to sign with who maybe like, I always like to use Arizona as an example, but a team that might have more spots open because they're not exactly looking to contend. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Second guy on the list, uh, since you we both have the same guy, I, I'm going to go ahead, and this might make you... I don't know. We'll see. Um, Sam Arukov. He was next on my list, too. Okay, nice. Maybe we should have went over our yeah, list no together shit, hey? beforehand. <laughs> I, he, he's got decent hockey IQ. I just feel like he's f- caught flat-footed a lot of the time. He looks like um, he's panicking a lot, Yeah, honestly. Yeah, and I don't think he has the foot speed to catch up to his brain. Yeah, so thus far, it hasn't been great from mm-hmm. him. And he had a couple moments where he would bobble the puck and give it away last game. And, like, to be fair, he had a couple good moments too. But you can't really be, as a defenseman, you can't be making those mistakes, yeah. especially in, like, an audition role that you're trying to do. Because yeah. essentially he'd be looking to be our seventh defenseman, if not somehow get above Broberg. Yeah. And... In my opinion, he was probably our worst left defenseman in that game with mm-hmm. like Murray, Kulak, and Niemelainen all playing above his level that game. So I can't see him really cracking the lineup in any way if he's going to come out and play like that. Well, it's funny because the the next person that I had on my list was Ryan Murray. Um, I, I understand that like you're not you're not going to get every answer. We'll get into that afterwards, but. Um, there was just a couple times. There was one shift in particular where I saw Murray. I don't know how they got Murray and Samarukov on the ice at the same time. Maybe that's and, the problem. And um, they it was kind of a, a two-on-two situation. Murray pinched, moving up the wall towards the blue line, kind of brought a, a two-on-one, and it took Samarukov like a couple seconds to realize, oh, shit, I got to do something. Mm-hmm. By the time he stepped up, the guy was already around him and in for a shot. Granted, nothing happened, but it's just it's decisions like that that – you kind of wonder, I don't know, it, it, it's the first game. We got to pick We got to pick disappointments. I think uh, Ryan Murray was just a little bit less than I was expected. We have him on a contract though, right? 
Murray? Yeah. yeah he's like league minimum contract. That's why I was a little bit... Uh, they signed him to be the pure seventh defenseman of the team, if not eighth. So, yeah. like, there's a reason for that. But right. I wish both him and Demirs maybe were both on PTOs. Uh, maybe we didn't think that we could get Demirs or something like that before we signed him. But yeah. with that being said, two things to note. Murray and Sam Rukov were on the same pairing. Sam that's Rukov what I thought. was playing offside. So that's okay. how they got on the ice okay. at the same time. Okay, so there we go. Um, and then... The second note that I had was, personally, I didn't really notice Murray that much, which, like I had mentioned, with a defenseman, that's pretty good. But unfortunately, it also contradicts the fact that he's on a PTO, similar to Vertanen, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that he needs to be doing something, I guess, to stand up, whether that's or stand out, which is breaking up plays mm-hmm. or making some good outlet passes that you're like, oh, that was a nice pass, good job. Like, under pressure, stayed calm, made a good pass. And... Personally, I just didn't notice those things. Yeah, it's kind of weird because as a defenseman, like, you don't necessarily want them to go and, like, run a guy or, you know, go out of their way to make themselves stand out. I just don't know if there's any opportunity for that necessarily. So I think that's why I just listed uh, Murray as my, my third last person just because yeah. I, yeah. Well, it at could the end just of the day, play. it was a 4 nothing win. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to find the disappointing aspects of the game. So, like, my only disappointments really were players that I wanted to do better that didn't do quite as well, like we had mentioned with Borgo, yeah. where I want him to succeed, but he just wasn't quite there yet, which I think he he's, hasn't played it in the AHL yet, so he probably needs some time of seasoning, so it makes sense. So I will guess, I guess I'll preface that with saying that he'll be my third disappointment only because I want more out of him. <laughs> no, that's that's a fair uh, fair assessment. Um it's funny, I was just thinking here, we've been talking about a fucking preseason game for 15 minutes. I don't know if we've dived this much into like a, a playoff game. I will say this is but, because this is, we're talking about one game, and it's the first game in months. Yes. So I just want to sit here and pick it apart. Oh, I know, yeah. Plus each game matters in the preseason because there's different players every single game. It's not like, oh yeah, McDavid did McDavid things, Dreisaitl did Dreisaitl things. It's like each player, I haven't seen a lot of these guys play, mm-hmm. or at least not in a while, so it's good to pick apart their games a little bit and get an idea of what you actually have there. Exactly. Like, and to that point, like as much as I want to take Dylan Holloway and pencil him into the starting lineup on October 12th, like I have to remember that we also had fucking Brendan Perlini light things up last preseason we had anton lander we had magnus prv score how dare you compare holloway to these players <laughs> i'm no i'm not comparing are you calling them. holloway the tie ratty of this preseason <laughs> i'm just saying that we're not ready to fucking like fully commit like we like each other let's let's keep seeing where this goes i don't know if i want to like get married and have kids with you yet well there's a reason we have eight preseason games exactly. and i think he'll get into probably five or six of them at mm-hmm. least because the team is more than interested in watching him. I think than any other player in this camp yeah. to see if he's truly ready to make that jump because we have big hole in our roster on that bottom six left side. We got Fogel and whoever is going to be there, whether Fogel's on the third and somebody else is on the fourth, like Benson, mm. or we have Holloway in the third and then that bumps Fogel down. Well, speaking of all of those shifts and changes in the extra games, uh, it's about an hour and a bit to puck drop against the Kraken. Uh, we're going to see a couple different looks tonight. Uh, the top line, I saw Shore and Yanmark, and I was like, we're not going to see anything close to, <laughs> like... 
the same. Any, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd, I'd look at that line, and that's kind of just like our potential fourth line. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's kind of just an audition of how well those three can play together, mm-hmm. um, just to see what they can do. Then you have Benson, Hamblin, and Yamamoto. Yeah. Um, I've noticed this is now the second game that Benson and Hamblin are playing together. Um, I did see some comments from people that they think that might have to do with the fact that that's likely like two thirds of the top line down in Bakersfield this year. And mm. Borgo was on that line last year mm. or not last year, uh, last game. And he will likely be the top line right wing, um, which is, seems kind of funny because they're putting Yamamoto there. And I think Borgo and Yamamoto are similar. That's a good point. Players, yeah. So maybe that's kind of what they're doing with Yamamoto on that line. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get more Vertanen. Playing with Schaefer and McKaig. Would not be shocked if he doesn't produce tonight. Um, just uh, I, Obviously, you have to compare the veteran number that you have to commit for a game. But if they're ready to start checking on other players, uh, this might be Vertanen's last game. I could see it. I could see him maybe getting one more in, but he needs to show this game that he's not going to be a liability. Like, That's true. I was just... He just has to be okay, I think, to get one more game. <laughs> yeah. He can't play like he played last game, which was completely unnoticeable. Like, It was I just shocking that they like sent a guy like Jason like, right away. Obviously, they know he's not going to play, but yeah. uh, just like... Did right they send him game, down already? He was the only guy they sent down. Okay. Well, it's so. like I mentioned with him. is like he's not going to be playing. Right. So like, it's not a surprise. So I think after this game, they might knock a couple other guys down, like maybe Philp, um, maybe even Borgo, but they might want to see more out of him. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. It's guys that who pretty much guaranteed will not even be a call up at any point during the year. So maybe Borgo gets a few games if they have a top six injury or something like that. But yeah, I I haven't seen the lineup for uh, Seattle, but I, I Seattle's got a very uh, veteran laden lineup. Is Matty Beneers playing? He's top line see, center between uh, Donato and uh, Bjorkstrand. That is going to be a hell of a line in a couple years. Well, and then their third line or their second line is Burkowski, Wenberg, and Donskoy, all go, going to be regulars in the lineup. Yeah. Um, and then they have uh, Morgan Geeky and uh, Brandon Tanev. Is that the Tanev yeah, yeah, that's on that yeah. team? Um, so like they have eight of their forwards that will be on the roster this year. So a good thing though, with... and they have four defensemen. Sorry, as well they have Kempney, Schultz, Larson, and Jesus. I think Evans. Yeah, so they like they their rosters. Playoffs or what? Yeah, they have <laughs> I think like four of their top defensemen. At least three of those are the like top four defensemen on that team, and I th- like eight of their top nine forwards. I think the the good thing with those people being dressed with Seattle is you're gonna get a good look at uh, Rodrigue and Fanti tonight. Yeah, to see what they're able to do. Yeah. I'm more interested in how uh, the defensemen will play with Broberg Barry. That's that's the main true. Pairing. Yeah, and yeah. then they have. Uh, Nima Linden and Wanner playing together, mm. which will most likely be the top pairing down in Bakersfield. As much as I want to see Nima Linden make the team, I don't think he's going to be the seventh defenseman. So he has to find a way to beat out Broberg. So we'd see how the next few games go because I still think I would love him. But and I think he'd be a great pair with uh, Barry. The size mixed with the skill of Barry. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so we'll see how things go. I know the Oilers will have a day off and then play Calgary. Um, it's just going to be more more preseason stuff, more evaluating. Uh, we'll obviously clean up whatever we missed here uh, next week. But uh, just wanted to kind of touch on on something that we uh, we kind of encountered this past this past week with respect to like how 
Puglia Yarvi is kind of been thrown around the Edmonton media. Um, I know I, I'm saying this because I was, I was the one that uh, retweeted the um, the tweet itself, but Bob Stoffer including the top three storylines for the Edmonton Oilers for camp, it just felt like a subtle shot at Puglia Yarvi, just throwing him at number three. Like, Well, no. the, the way the tweet was written was like left wing here are like three stories of the left wing mm-hmm. lefty here are three stories on the lefty and then the third point was just Pugliarvi which to be fair I thought it should be right wing because there are still a lot of questions on the right wing mm. so you can continue on with what you're saying but yeah that's no, personally how I felt about that the only thing that I got upset with is just like this is a bunch of journalists that are coming out and um this is why the the journalism industry, I think, is starting to slow down numbers. And I, I'm starting to see, even when you look, anytime Spectre puts something up, and we'll get to him in a second, there's a generational divide with the people that are responding to his tweets. Like, he put up another thing about Pugliarvi today where he said uh, how uh, in a game that he should have stood out, and I hope I'm getting this, this right with it being his uh, report, um, is that uh, he said it in a game where he should have stood out. He didn't. He was outplayed by his line mates. More, please. To, to be fair, we didn't even talk about Pugliari, no, that, really. Yeah, so it means he that. didn't really stand up yeah. or stand out. Yeah. So, like, that's a fair point. And, like, I at least there's more added on to that. That's message, what I mean. Yeah. Which is fine. Like, that's fine. But, like, the, the issue. So what essentially happened was Greg, like, retweeted that and made a comment. Like, why is it just Pugliari? And this was Bob Stoffer's tweet. And then right. Mark Spector came and replied. And was just talking about, like, this is what journalism is. This is the definition of journalism. It's the thing that I was perplexed about is he wasn't tagged in this at all. Like, there was no mention of Mark Spector in this tweet. And he just went out of his way to find this. And Well, Bob Stoffer's probably his friend. You're going to stand up for your friend, which is fine. Honestly, I... Bob Stauffer has a radio show where he takes opinions and he kind of builds his own. He's he's an Oilers employee, so he has more of an affiliation with it. I understand that. So I kind of regret looking back using Stauffer as the example. But Mark Spector, if you want to call it journalism and explain to me what journalism is, um, I, I never, first off, even doubted that. Like, the the thing that I think is so great about social media nowadays, you have, like, us, you have... Uh, podcasts everywhere else you you have blogs and shit like people are going to read this stuff because they know they're Oilers fans they can take their opinions and run with it but when you have a guy who's either unbiased and throwing his own opinion continually throwing a guy under a bus or he's just he is an Oilers fan and just won't say it like I, I just how do you take information from someone consistently ragging on a player without knowing where he stands with the uh with the team yeah well personally i just didn't really like them commenting like using that point like i made earlier like you can't talk about each position being an issue and here are like the primary things that you need to consider and then say pulley and not add notes saying like yeah like is he going to crack 30 goals this year which line will he be playing on like those are points to say but like if you're just putting his name in there knowing that people have been throwing pulley under the bus it's clearly just to drive engagement. And to be fair, yeah, it worked because I read the comments us. on that and we're talking about this. Um, but all of the comments under it were the same as what we're saying right now, yes. which were like, Pugliarvi's like a storyline by himself. That seems like, why are you throwing him under the bus? Yeah. And like, personally, I want to be confident in Pugliarvi and be like, 
that I want that to be the question in my head. Will he put up 30 goals this year? Yeah. Versus like when you're tweeting stuff like this and the way people have been throwing him under the bus, it feels like they're like, will he be traded before the season even starts? Mm-hmm. Like, should we send him down to the minors? Like, that's kind of the idea that people are feeling like they're pushing out there when he's clearly an NHL player. Yeah. It's just a matter of how high his ceiling is, yeah. not his floor anymore. Yeah. And we just want to throw him to the wolves with no replacements in the lineup based off of all these comments. And it's kind of like, are you stupid? Honestly? Have uh, Have you ever watched the movie Popstar? No, I have not. Oh, Wait, okay. is that the one with Andy, Andy Samberg? Okay. I have okay. watched it, but I don't remember it. Okay. So there's a song in there where he starts singing about same love and uh, um, how like everybody can get married to whoever they love. It's all the same. And like in between every single line, he goes, Nagi, Nagi. Uh, it's what it feels like with all of these articles. It's like, uh, Oilers have all this, pull your RV. Uh, Oilers got this going on, pull your RV. It's like, find a new, like, slight. Yeah, I'm, I'm just tired of them, like, pumping everybody's tires on the team. Literally, except for pull your RV. Yeah. The, instead of asking the positive questions, like I said, will he score 30 goals this year? The questions are more like, is he going to crack 10 goals this year? And it's like... Is that that's not a that's not a question? Like all you're doing is trying to drag him down and ruin his confidence. Maybe hoping he reads it, or you're trying to stir people up to get all, everybody all angry about it. Mm-hmm. And like some of these reporters wonder why people don't appreciate their journalism. I'm air quoting right now. Yeah, because like you're not driving journalism. All you're doing is saying hot topics, trying to get people to comment and like your post, or even if they don't like it, it's like bad PR still PR. You heard those stupid Spence Diamonds commercials. Everyone hates them. <laughs> But yet they're still playing and that company's still successful because they drive something. Yeah. But I I just think my final point that I'm going to kind of lead with it is just that, like, yes, he's a fan favorite. Yes, we understand that he's struggling. But yes, we understand that you also feel that. Like, it just feels like a consistent narrative. And, I mean, when you have Anthony Stewart, a guy who played how many hundreds of NHL games coming out and saying that he's got colleagues in Edmonton driving players out of town with comments like this. Like, I don't think you need any more, you know, rationale. Well, that's rationale. been a problem for years. We drive everybody out of this town. And, like, it might be, I personally, personally, I think it's media-fueled that gets fans fired up, which then fuels the media more back and forth until the player gets driven out of town, essentially. But, like, to me, it's just negative reporting and i don't want negativity around this team anymore we're yeah. not garbage we want positive thoughts yes and the old guard doesn't exactly enjoy positive thoughts it seems yes so i think just to end things off specter will shake hands and agree to disagree but uh i think we'll take our approach at, at looking at things and if, if you want to keep writing those articles man like i'm down to keep discussing them in the future yeah if they include things that are both negative and positive i just don't like everybody digging on the negative side on every point so but with all that being said well thank everybody for watching i'm gonna i'm gonna do the outro i guess this time because i started it for some reason so uh let's go oilers (laughs) 